Freitag. We have a list on our website, warrockandajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Greetings, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever Special for October 2023. I'm Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here as well. I'm loving this character. Prepare to be raked, stories. It's because that's what we do like, here. It's it's always been my dream to outlive Matt Wilson. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I know you wrote a comic where that doesn't happen. Because you don't because you don't com- like me. No. First of all, you did outlive me in the comic because you were the murderer. Alright, I was the murderer, yeah. <laughs> so you do admit Second. I was the murderer. I didn't write it that way. <laughs> Kevin Warren thought it would be funny to make the characters look like us. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a comic about two comedy partners, and one of them killed the other one. Right, right, yeah. Didn't draw on anything from your own life for that. About having a comedy partner. No, I didn't. It was it was totally unrelated to anything in my real life. You lost the you lost the voice, by the way. You lost the bit. I did because I my work. I had to defend my work. So here's what we do on the show. You you know you. I think I explained it during the opening theme. We here's rank comic book stories on this spooktacular. Uh, since it's October, and this is going to be released on Halloween, this episode, we're going to do some some spooky lists on this episode. Uh, so we're going to go slightly out of order, although line steppers still get advantage. Uh, they get to roll twice. Gonna, they get to roll twice. That's right. Um, but we are going to rank some every spooky ever lists on the show this week. Uh, but Chris, before we do that, we get into that. Would you like to go over the, the state of the list, including the very scary bottom of the list? Ooh. It is, it is the, it, it is a scary bottom of the list. Uh, yes. I would say at uh, number one, we have Spider-Man, If This Be My Destiny, slash the final chapter, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 31 to 33. Kind of the blueprint of all Marvel comics that followed. Uh, yeah, that did, and this did, man, did, this did, monster, are the blueprint. Yeah. I, I guess Spider... I guess If This Be My Destiny is the blueprint, too. <laughs> I would say the top-rated, like, sk- 
scary, like spooky scary comic that we have. Arguably Berserk the Golden Age, which is at number nine. I mean, arguably Pluto. Well, Pluto's not like a story of the supernatural. No, it's just... It's just a murder mystery that is emotionally affecting. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd say I'd say probably Berserk, the Golden Age, even though... I guess at the end, it really does go hard into the into the horror stuff, so I think that counts. That's true. It, they pretty much go to hell at the end of that story. Yeah, there's there's so, all kinds yeah. of demons, and a guy becomes a gachamon in that. Correct, correct. Um, Astro City One Half, The Nearness of You, at number 18, is about ghosts. It, it is about ghosts, and it does have the Astro City version of the Spectre in it, so... That's right, yeah. He's... A, he, he's what is the line? You've you've had you've had a toast with a freaky ghost. <laughs> you've gotten close with a freaky ghost. I don't know what that line is. I, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah. Pl- Continue uh, talking about the state of the list. At the bottom of the list, we have the reigning and defending worst comic since day one of this list uh, is Identity Crisis. By Brad Meltzer and Rags Morales uh, from TZ Comics in 2005. And I would say the lowest ranked, like, spooky, scary comic that we have. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the Draco has the devil in it. That's it. That's it. At 1476. Identity Crisis at 1485. Okay. Okay. I think that's going to be... I think that's going to be like the the closest we get to like some real haints for a while coming up from the bottom. You're probably right. Uh, okay, the actual lyric in Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters, a song I cannot listen to anymore without thinking of Neil Cesariga's "Bustin'." It that's the version of the song that exists in my head now. Mm-hmm. You would never intuit that this was the lyric. Because it's, if you've had a dose of a freaky ghost. That's right. If you've had a dose of a freaky ghost, then call Ghostbusters. Right. Because Dan Aykroyd wants to get freaky with that ghost. But what? A dose of a ghost? Dose of a ghost? That's your other podcast that you do with Marlene, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the on hiatus let's call it show ghost of a chance in which marlene tries to convince me to believe in ghosts uh is a different podcast yes matt what what is the most supernatural thing you believe in because you famously don't believe in ghosts and you famously mm-hmm. have never been scared both true both true the most supernatural thing I believe in. Well, I don't really believe in much supernatural. The, I guess I believe that aliens probably exist somewhere, but I don't think they'll ever reach us or encounter humans. Okay. 
And you and you but consider really that spooky, like spooky scary? No. I, uh, <laughs> no. I've just wanted to deny the premise of your question. Well, no, I'm I, like, uh, what is a spooky, scary thing that I believe in? Well, I believe that uh, everything. I believe that the Satanic Panic was completely real. That D and D made a lot of uh, kids into Satan worshippers. Listen. I don't want to be Elf Star anymore. That's true. That's true. I don't know. The, the the question of the most supernatural thing I believe in is I'm going to be thinking about that for a while because I I sincerely do not have an answer for you. I think anyway. my problem with most ghost stories is that like there were a lot of dinosaurs and you never really see dinosaur ghosts. That's true. Well, also ghosts are always from like a hundred years ago and aren't from a thousand years ago. And it seems like maybe why, why aren't there ghosts from longer ago? Maybe you can only be a ghost for a little while. Hmm. Good thought. Like, it takes you a while to become a ghost, which is why you never see ghosts from, like, 2012. Yeah, Marlene has a stand-up joke about how there should be ghosts of, like, frat dudes. And that should be, like, the ghosts they look for on, you know, ghost adventures or whatever. That's a good idea. Uh, okay, let's get into... I We started a list that we didn't finish. Last time. So we've got to do that before we get into the spookies. Okay, Chris? Okay. All right. So we ranked Uncanny X-Men numbers 94 to 95. That is the Count Nefaria story. Okay. The next one on Robert Secundus's list is JLA number 16 through 17 and New Year's Evil Prometheus number one, which is the story where they fight Prometheus. You talking about uh, Prometheus Unbound? Prometheus Unbound, that's right. That is on the list already at number 340. Oh, okay. That's a good-ass comic. Yeah, there it is. Robert said that these were stories we have not ranked from great runs that we have begun to rank, but we've ranked that one, Robert, so... Yeah, it's good as hell. There you go. I love Prometheus. Yeah. And then... Uh, the last one here is a Nancy strip, and have we decided that those don't count anymore? Since since it was sent in with a list of actual comics, <laughs> we can we can do this one. Okay. All right. I'll I'll send you the the link to the okay. to the strip then. All right. I mean, I think maybe we just like have a more discerning eye on the strips as far as like whether they are stories or not. Cause I don't know that this is a story. I, I don't understand why you would send this in. Like it's a good net. Like it's the second Olivia James, Nancy strip. 
So I guess that's why the idea it's, here yeah. is we are going to rank every single Nancy strip starting on April 9th, twenty eighteen. Well, we did, we did, we have ranked that one. <laughs> we have ranked that one, yeah. And so this would be the next step. But like this, this boy, I don't know. I don't think this is a story because. This is not- it's someone saying Nancy and Sluggo are such a pair. They're so in sync. And then Nancy says, we have to be. Sluggo doesn't have his own pair of earbuds. And then we see that they're sharing a pair of earbuds. And yeah, I think, I think we have to disqualify this for the list, but we did uh, consider it, Robert. I think the, uh, the most interesting thing about this comic is uh, the premium member comment left five years ago uh, from JLG. Uh-huh. Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Um, who says, <laughs> whether you were a fan of Gilchrist's take or not, to go from a sentimental, visually lush continuity to a series of dry, waspish gags drawn in a minimalist aesthetic is quite a jolt, because Gilchrist had fleshed out the characters with backstories colored by an overarching sweetness. This is a much more aggressive reset than Mark Lasky to Jerry Scott, or even from Scott to early Gilchrist. It'll be interesting to see how many readers who came to love Gilchrist Nancy will remain on board for this new incarnation. Okay. Funny how you leave out Ernie Bushmiller. <laughs> well, the Bushmiller is mentioned earlier in the post. I just read that last uh, thing. Uh, I'm saying if you're a fan of Guy Gilchrist, Nancy, um, get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That comic sucks. Yeah. But also, like, yeah, they, they clocked that James is doing, like, a version of Bushmiller, which... Isn't that what you would want? Not if you're really into Guy Gilchrist, I guess. If you're some kind of, I don't know. Boomer. Weirdo. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that. You got to be a huge weirdo. Uh, the the Robert's in a backup, which is the second peanut strip. No. Which also is not a story. Yeah. I, I refuse. Yeah, it's not a story. Sorry, Robert. Uh, but you gave it the college try, and you also sent in this list over a year ago. So, yes, <laughs> that's well, how it goes. Not, it's not your fault that yeah. I'm so very tired. <laughs> okay, I think I have found the start of. The well, hmm, okay. We do have we have ranked the first Morbius story. We have been Morbin. Yeah. Have we talked about Marvel Zombies Dead Days, the Robert Kirkman miniseries? I don't. I think we did because I don't remember Dead Days at all. Okay. I but so we're thinking head, maybe we did this. it to the tune of head games. Dead days. I th- so I think so. Have we done this list from Chris Connors? I think maybe we have. the The three on the list are Apocalypse versus Dracula, Marvel Zombies Dead Days, and Amazing Spider Man One Hundred One through One Hundred Two, the first Morbius story. 
Yeah, we've definitely we've ranked the first. Yeah, I think we've, we've definitely done that ranked way. the first. Dead Days was like the story of of like the, how the zombie thing happened. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. I I apologize for kind of figuring out on air what we've done and what we haven't. <laughs> But uh, that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, we, uh, we this did one was from uh, uh, Dead Days came in at 1375 for the record. Oh, okay, good to know. Have we done this list from Andrew Curl that starts with Marvel Spotlight numbers two through four? Uh, let's see, Marvel Spotlight. Uh, I don't have any Marvel Spotlights on my list, so probably not. Yeah, there's no Marvel Spotlights on the list. That story, Marvel Spotlights number two, numbers two through four, are the first Werewolf by Night story. So I remember us talking about that and that we hadn't read it. So I have not read okay. it. Okay, I, I think we've done that list. We've ranked Darkhold Iron Man, correct? Yeah, boy, that's a good comic. And did we rank Darkhold Blade? Uh, I. Am not sure. Let's see. Uh, Darkhold Iron Man, Darkhold Blade. Yes. Okay. A respectable showing from friend of the show, Daniel Kipplesmith. Did we do Marvel Team Up number ninety-one? Let's see. This is good radio. This is what happens when we go out of order. <laughs> Uh, I forget. No. I, it does okay. not look like we have done Marvel Team Up 91. Okay. Or wait, it's Marvel Team Up or Marvel 2 and 1? Marvel Team Up. Marvel Team Up 91 is the issue where Spider-Man and Ghost Rider get kidnapped by creepy carnies. Damn, that does sound good. I don't know that I've read that one, but damn, that does sound good. Oh yeah, this I'm looking at it right now. It is the art in this issue is buck, but yeah, it is, wild. It is big Pat Broderick. Pat Broderick. Peter Parker has a helmet of a, of hair in this issue. <laughs> he's and he's there's on a on a date with Glory Grant. Yes, yes. This is pretty bananas, this issue. But I have yeah. never read it. This is this is wild. Okay. How about so we, so that one we haven't done. We're, we haven't read. So um this list is from Patrick Gertner, by the way. And uh, these are some spooky Marvel stories. Spider-Man does karate chop a dog in this story. <laughs> That's a Batman move. Batman's the one who's always fighting dogs. Batman does always fight dogs. He's fighting dogs all the time. He really, do, like, Batman, Batman, like, I love him. But you know that dude is like, I wish there was a dog right here right now. 
I don't know. I don't know that he wants to fight dogs. He's just put in situations where he has to. I think that's how I feel. About it. A long time ago, I said, and this was when I was in the prime of my youth, Matt. Uh huh. Well, I was probably thirty-five. <laughs> I said I could beat any one dog in a fight. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And I stand by that. But people got the wrong idea because they thought I wanted to fight dogs. I don't want to fight dogs. I am on record loving dogs. (laughs) I just think I could take one. Any one. Even, like, a raging pit bull. Not Biscuit's a pit bull. But Biscuit's not a fighting pit bull. No, Biscuit has anxiety. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, a mean one. I would probably, in that case, I would probably make friends with it. Yeah, that's a good plan. It would recognize me as a friend to pit bulls. The true Mr. Worldwide. The next... Yeah. <laughs> the next story on Patrick's list is Uncanny X-Men number 40, in which the X-Men fight a Frankenstein. And as I recall at the end of that issue, they make friends with the Frankenstein and like reprogram it to be their friend. That, are you sure you're not thinking of Dragon Ball? Because that exact thing happens in Dragon Ball. Maybe Dragon Ball took some inspiration from... Lee Kirby X-Men. Unfortunately, we have ranked all of Lee Kirby X-Men as one entry on the list. Yeah. Is that still Lee and Kirby? That, we're not in the, the Roy Thomas era by then? Uh, no, it's still Lee and Kirby. Still Lee and wow. Kirby. I think it's near the end of it, but it is it is still Lee and Kirby at that point. This is... this. Well, cover... hang on. It's, it's, it's Roy Thomas Don Heck. Never mind. Yeah. It's not Lee and Kirby anymore. Because this cover is fully Don Heck doing Jack Kirby's cover of that FF issue where they fight the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not Lee and Kirby anymore. It's... Patrick labeled it as a Lee Kirby issue, but this is Roy Thomas and Don Heck. It, you are absolutely right. It's, this, is, this is Roy time. It's Roy time, baby. And, and what they do is, well, okay. So what they do is they freeze the Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Iceman freezes the Frankenstein. I did, you didn't even and, have to say it. If, if you told me the, the original five X-Men yeah, somehow yeah. froze Frankenstein, I would have been able to guess who did it. And, oh, I actually, okay, I misinterpreted. The Frankenstein is from another planet is an android that was sent to earth as like a intelligence gathering device for aliens. I don't know which aliens these are supposed to be. If it's like the Shi'ar or who, but uh, yeah. It's like the Frankenstein is sent for reconnaissance to fight the X-Men by aliens. 
Yeah, because this is not the the Marvel monster of Frankenstein. No. This is very no. much like a Boris Karloff-looking dude. Okay. And he has so, eye beams. He has, he has his own uh, optic glass. <laughs> yes. Here's what Professor X says about the whole situation. Uh, never mind, Bobby. What matters is that in his last shimmering second of life, I probed the android's artificial brain and learned the real origin of the so-called Frankenstein's monster. Uh, and he, and he says, uh, yeah, it was sent by aliens from a far off tropical planet 150 years ago. Uh, and then it malfunctioned. So that's, that's, oh, and also, also, <laughs> it was the inspiration for Mary Shelley to write Frankenstein. <laughs> right. Cause you know. You know, it's not like she could come up with something on her own. Well, if she could write a book on her own. We'll never know how Mary Shelley learned any of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's astonishing, looking back, how little anybody gave a fuck about the X-Men. I mean, it's astonishing, looking back, how little anybody gave a fuck about, like these stories hanging together or being cohesive or coherent. Yeah. (laughs) Like so many people had to do so much work decades later to try to make it all make sense. Yeah. Um, like this might just be the, the Roy Thomas of it all, but this is the most like a silver age DC book that Marvel ever gets is like a couple of really early issues of Spider-Man and then the like X-Men comics that nobody ever talks about. Yeah. Cause they are like these weird little, little one shot stories that don't matter that it does like nothing happens in them. They're very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in the Lee and Kirby X-Men, I never really think of the X-Men as, like, doing Doom Patrol, doing, like, a version of Doom Patrol. But that's what the Roy Thomas X-Men feels like. Oh, fully? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I haven't actually read the story. I'm literally just looking at it right now. It doesn't look good. <laughs> I I read it. Uh, I I don't know when I was doing like a read through of a lot of wow Doom Patrol Doom Patrol predates X Men by like three months. Yeah, no, they're very very close in 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 release. Yeah, Doom Patrol was June 1963. X Men was September 1963. Yeah. Wild. Uh, anyway, this story is like very goofy and kind of bad. Like it's not bad, bad, you know, but it's like forgettable. Yeah, it's very like 
it, it, it feels like if, if you gotta go this far to do a Frankenstein story under the comics code, just don't do a Frankenstein story, dude. Nobody's making yeah. you, Roy. Nobody's even oh, reading that's this. Gotta, that's gotta be why it was an android from space, right? Because yeah. of the comics code. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even put that together. So you get one panel of dudes in weird Kirby outfits making a Frankenstein, like classic mid-century sci-fi, like hatch on his chest open up to show you there's gears in there. Yeah. 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 All right. I think this is like, hmm. It's not as good as Spider-Man Torment, but it's sort of – it's because it's not as memorable as that, but it's kind of the same amount of dumb. <laughs> I That's insulting to Torment. I mean, <laughs> Torment is a, is a story where Calypso hypnotizes everybody with drugs that go doom, doom, doom. Yeah, it's a story so, where uh, Dr. Kirk Connors, the lizard, gets uh, gets taken over by voodoo mind control. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's exactly as it's exactly as dumb as Garfield replacing John's phone with a banana. That's way better than this. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now okay. I'm gonna need you to be serious for a second. Is this okay? Is this better than Street Fighter one through three? Oh, the one that they had to apologize for. The one that they had to apologize for. I would say yeah. <laughs> I think it's the new number thirteen hundred. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Or, sorry, thirteen oh one, thirteen oh one. So okay, so you we're going to say in... X. It's below new fifty two. Is better than this. Yeah. Yeah, it's below New 52 Secret 6, uh, but above Street Fighter number 1 through 3. So it's the new 1301. X-Men number 40, and I'll say uh, Frankenstein, Android, Thomas, it's, who's the artist again? Don Heck. Don Heck, Thomas Heck. Okay. All right, there we go. Finally, on this list from Patrick is Thor numbers 332 to 333, uh, the story where Dracula drinks Asgardian blood. Oh my god, I have not read that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, let's 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 find that bad boy. That sounds rad as fuck. What issue? 332 to 333. That's kind of So be- that's like Right before uh, Simonson. Yeah. It's Alan Zelenetz and Don Perlin. I mean, this comic looks like it's from about 40 years before the Walt Simonson run. It looks so old. (laughs) Even though it is, yeah, it is from what, probably like 1980? Yeah. It, this looks ancient. Uh, Don Perlin, 
is doing the art. Oh, and Vince Coletta. Right? This is from 1983. This is from 1983. The amount of difference between comics from like the early 80s and the mid 80s is out of control. Oh yeah, it's like it, like I've talked before about that that JLA that Justice League story where uh, Dick Dillon literally like dies in the middle of it, and then the next issue was drawn by George Perez, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, this is what comics look like now. Like comics yeah. don't look like I, Dick Dillon anymore. I mean, I mean, like, Frank Miller was at that. Frank Miller was working for Marvel Comics at this time. I mean, these Thor issues have Bill Sienkiewicz covers. Yeah, the covers look, look modern. And then the interior looks like it's from ancient texts. It looks like a uh, it looks like an EC horror comic. A little bit, yeah. Fucking Vince Coletta, man. When he yelled at by that dude who used to term search Vince Coletta all the time. <laughs> I I remember people talking about that guy. Uh, I don't think you ever encountered would. Dan McFan. No, I I wasn't a comics blogger in the technical sense. I was trying to do. Imagine being a Vince Coletta stan. <laughs> I mean, I always assumed that. It was like a sock puppet for like a relative of Vince Coletta's. I mean, it even that like I would be that that dude was extreme. Okay, for, so I've looked through Vince these two Coletta. issues. Yeah, I've looked through these two issues, and we're not going to rank it because we haven't read it. But it does not pay off on the promise of Dracula drinks as Guardian blood and gets mega awesome powers yeah, dude. in any way that you would want. Al Ewing would kick ass with that premise. <laughs> Boy, would he. I'll tell you Boy, what's good is this panel where Dracula summons a bunch of rats to attack Thor because that's what Dracula does sometimes. And so there's a panel of just Thor fucking up a bunch of rats with his magic hammer. Yeah. There's also, yeah, Thor fights some bats at one point too, but that's about the coolest it ever gets. Like, there's no, there's no payoff of him drinking as Guardian blood, and that sucks. That that uh, bums me out. Yeah. Uh, we do have a backup from Patrick, which is Invaders number thirty-one. <laughs> In which the invaders fight Nazi Frankenstein's. I mean, that also sounds good. I yeah. bet it's not as good as it sounds. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Which invader series is this? I'm I guess it's guess one, thirty-one issues. I guess it's, I think it's the one from 1975, the Roy, the Roy series. Yeah, mm. that's the one it is. Once again, I bet it's not as good as it sounds. Oh, this one has it's it's a Roy series, but it's not a Roy issue. The Don Glenn and guest. Chick Stone. Yeah, um, I have never read this before, so I I, I don't know. 
but uh, I think you're right on the money with the not as good as it sounds. <laughs> I mean, there is a Nazi Frankenstein in here. That is beyond question. And the name of the, the story title is Heil Frankenstein, which is really on the nose. You give that one a second pass, folks. Give that one a second pass. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, the Submariner punches Frankenstein in the face, and then Frankenstein starts crying. <laughs> and then, I guess, n- turns on the Nazis. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Not as, not as good as you want it to be. Uh, all right. Our next list is from Philip Neff. And the first story on the list is House of Mystery, numbers 290 to 291, 293, 295, and 297. I, Vampire. Which is the original DC Comics I, Vampire story. Um, I have never read these, but I will tell you why I've never read these. Okay. Because if you look at the cover of House of Mystery, number, uh, I, I think it's whichever one is the first appearance of, no, it's not the first appearance of Andrew Bennett, I Vampire, but it's like, it's one of them. Mm-hmm. He's crying. <laughs> and the tear is blood. And I was well, like, I saw that, and I was like, there's no fucking way. This isn't going to be what I want out of a comic about a vampire. I mean, it's a little better that the tear is blood, at least. Yeah, but like, I, and, and admittedly, I formed this uh, opinion when I, like, in a time in the mid-2000s, where if I never saw a superhero crying again, I would have died happy. Because all DC Comics characters did for, like, 12 years was cry. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I tried to read... I, done. <laughs> I tried to read the New 52 I Vampire... And bounced off of it pretty quick. This this seems fairly cool, from what I can tell. It's it's JM JM DeMatteis and uh, Tom Sutton on it, and it's very much DC Comics doing Tomb of Dracula. Like, there's no getting around it. Yeah, That's what except they're doing. Except that, like, Andrew Bennett is the the classic vampire who doesn't want to be a vampire. Yeah, that's true. And Dracula, Marvel Comics Dracula, even though he is the star of that comic, never stops being an asshole. And loves being a vampire, yeah. Loves being a vampire. Loves the devil.
it's it's I I don't that is not a a trope that I have time for. <laughs> How did they get away with I Vampire with these issues being comics code approved? I I do well, not this, know. I mean, this was well the, like the the comics code had cracked by this point. Like this is yeah, I guess the so. early eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I never read this stuff. It seems like it could be cool though. So, Philip, let I, us know if if maybe we should do the original I Vampire story as a catch up or something. That could be a that could be a fun catch up. I will read it if people tell me, hey. You have the wrong idea. It is actually as good as those Mike Kaluta covers make you think it is. Uh huh. Then I will read it. But there's literally no way it can be as good as the Mike Kaluta covers. <laughs> there are there are no issues in this bunch in which he's crying blood on the. Cover. I'm trying to find that because co- I don't think it was an I Vampire solo series. Surely not. I mean, it could have been an issue of House of Mystery, but it's none of these specifically. Yeah. So, who can say? But uh, I, I would read these for sure. I mean, we might save them for next October, but this feels like this feels like a real catch-up candidate. I think so. All right. Put let it, us know. Put folks. it on the docket. If I'm wrong. Then I then I will ad- admit my wrongness. The next story on Philip's list is Hellblazer numbers twenty five through twenty six. Early warning slash how I learned to love the bomb, which is the Grant Morrison Hellblazer story. Ooh, I don't know that I've read that. I am certain that I have, folks. I am. Matt and I have been at this. Since like 2014. True. And many of these comics we have ranked from memory. So I know, I don't think I have read a single comic that has been suggested today, tonight. (laughs) But that's because I have read at least 1,400 other comics. (laughs) What are the issue numbers here? It's, It's 25 and 26. Okay, so it's so it's in the middle of the Jamie Delano run. Yes, it's Grant Morrison on the script with David Lloyd on art and color, and I remember this story. Boy, Tom Frame is doing. Go ahead. Boy, this has some two thousand AD ass lettering. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. It is a 2000 AD looking ass comic book. Yeah, bud. Like, not just in the lettering, but like, I mean, 2000 AD is, some of the stories are in color and some are not. But the coloring is very 2000 AD as well. Uh, yeah, well, it's like. it's very like limited color palette, like monochromatic sort of thing. Like it's it's not black and white, but it's certainly 
like you will get a page that is primarily orange or a page that is primarily blue. Uh, yeah, so it's, it definitely it's, has that look. Limited color palette, for sure. Um, and I love that look, actually. I think it's a cool way to do a comic. Uh, so what this story is about, it's kind of a folk horror story, kind of. Okay. Um, because it's about, okay, it's about a town, like a little village near a nuclear base. And uh, there are some people in the town who need the base to live and some who protest it being there at all. There's also a cave full of like sleeping elder gods. Oh, okay. Right. Like it's a Grant Morrison comic. Yeah. And there is a, uh, a pagan parade, an annual pagan parade that happens uh, outside in the middle of the night. And as, and they walk their way to the church and like, there's this big showdown at the church between like the priest and these people in, you know, goat head costumes uh, who are marching through the street. And meanwhile, John Constantine is in that cave with the elder gods. Um, at one point, the priest puts on a hat that looks like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> like, it looks like a Pope hat, but it's also in the shape of a nuclear bomb. A miter um, is what yeah. that hat is called. Yeah. And um, it, it leads to, like, basically chaos and mayhem in the streets of this uh, village. And uh, there's like a fighter jet that ends up flying over at one point. And um, by this point, all the colors are just like blue. And uh, okay. The end is the worst part. Because it seems like at the end, the town is destroyed by a nuclear bomb. That type of thing. Or at the very yeah, at the very least, the the town like kind of eats itself. Like the 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 town kind of destroys itself. Yeah, it's destroyed by a nuclear bomb. That's right. Yes. Um, because essentially the people who want the nuclear base there and the people who don't want the nuclear base there kind of go to war in the street. Um, it's a wild story. It's not my favorite Grant Morrison story and it's not my favorite Hellblazer story, but it's like doing a thing that's pretty interesting, at least. My least favorite Grant Morrison is horror Grant Morrison. That's fair. Because I think that, like, I like it when they incorporate horror into, like, other genres. Like, I really, you know, I like Seven Soldiers, obviously, which has a lot of horror stuff. And then is also, you know, one of the Seven Soldiers is Frankenstein. Uh, But I I like, you know, I, I like the Black Glove stuff. But 
even, you know, nameless and even, you know, Batman Gothic is like one of my less loved Morrison Batman stories. And you know that I am a pretty solid fan of Morrison Batman in general. Certainly, certainly. So horror Morrison is, is one that I'm a little bit leery of. Horrorson. That mm, no. So it's that, too close. That it's back to factory bud. It's too close to to a thing we don't want to we yeah. don't want to say. Bingo bango. So th- I think this is going to be our lowest ranked Hellblazer story uh, by 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 a bit. But I do I do appreciate kind of like what it's trying to do, even though I don't think it necessarily completely pulls it off. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's see. What's another comic that sort of does that? So, okay. Multiversity Masterman number one is at 1086. I feel like that's kind of similar. Like that's a similar Grant Morrison book that like is trying to do a thing, but maybe doesn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I would put this a bit below that, though. Okay. Uh, my cats are having a fight in the hallway, by the way. So sorry, everybody. Wow, they're reenacting the events of Hellblazer number number thirty, <laughs> number twenty-six. That's right. <laughs> I know which one loves nuclear weapons. His name is Harrison. Uh, let's see. You know what this reminds me? This is kind of similar to the last Calvin and Hobbes strip, where it's like it's interesting, but also wild pull. But <laughs> wild pull. But do, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's interesting, but also a bummer. I do know what you're saying. So I think I want to put this around there somewhere. Okay. I'll tell you, okay. you, bud. I think it should go below the death of Captain Marvel. But it should go above Avengers number 239, the Letterman issue. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to put it at the new number 1127 above Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man. All right. Um so it's Hellblazer's number Hellblazer numbers twenty five through twenty six, and that story is called Early Warning: How I Learned to Love the Bomb. I think it would have been more interesting, maybe without the nuclear stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, that sounds like have- the entire premise of the book, though, Matt. <laughs> I know, but like, just have John Constantine go to a town where there's like pagans and there's Christians, and let that be the conflict. I don't know. I, clearly, he was trying to make a clearly he was trying to make a point about nuclear weapons. Yes, but <laughs> uh, listeners from the UK, uh, I have a question for you. Do y'all really do that fucking like Wicker Man shit? Like are like these parades with the big weird scary paper mache heads, is that real? Is that a thing you really do? 
I mean, this is supposed to be taking place in the United States. Okay, so, we definitely I don't, don't do that here. Maybe somewhere they do. Oh, this is this is definitely taking place in in England because he says he's, he's he he goes to London at the end. He gets on a truck bound for London. Oh, okay. I thought it was supposed to be the United States. I thought that was the whole idea of the nuclear base. But okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, all right. Finally, on Philip's list is. That Korean horror webcomic that went very viral in like 2012, which is called <laughs> Bongchan Dong Ghost. You gotta know. You gotta know the name of the thing. <laughs> no, that's what he said. He he does know the name of the thing. It's okay. Bongchan Dong Ghost. It's I remember this. It is the thing where Chris. I don't know if you've seen this or not. It doesn't but it's the, sound like it would have entered my purview, although I do like scary comics sometimes. It's the comic where there's like a schoolgirl walking home. Chef Toaster, I might have read it. She does not have toast in her mouth, I okay. don't think. I'm thinking of Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah. And she sees like a figure in the middle of the sidewalk and it's like turned away from her. And then as you scroll down, there's a panel that's animated where the head turns around. Okay. Where this guy's head turns around and it's like the blade, the face is all bloody and the eyes are red. And it asks her, where's my baby? And She's like, it's over there. <laughs> and it goes walking off. And then it says, she is not here. And then there's another panel of it, like, coming at the screen. Okay. And uh, then the girl passes out. And, uh, and yeah, like, there's kind of not a whole lot to it. I've seen other web comics that sort of do this same thing better since then. The whole gimmick of the comic is just that there are two animated panels that are supposed to scare you because you don't expect them to be animated. Um, it's fine, I guess. Okay. It's, it's, it's not, it kind of just ends on a bunch of nothing. Um, like it basically says that on that spot where the girl was walking, a woman uh, like jumped and committed suicide because she had lost uh, custody of her daughter. Why there hasn't and been so, a baby here for a hundred years? Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those. I I feel like the animated panels are very gimmicky. I mean, they're novel but they're also like quite gimmicky. So I don't know. Do you think this is worth ranking? Is my I question. haven't read it. This, I, I, this escaped me. Uh, okay. So, Do you want me to send it to you or no? No, not really. No. Okay. Well, I have read it. It doesn't sound, you don't seem enthusiastic enough to make me want to read it. 
okay. one way or another. What I'm torn about is whether this is a story at all. I mean, I guess it is. I guess it is. But in hindsight, I think at the time that this went viral, it was, you know, people thought it was cool because it was doing a thing. But in hindsight, it is kind of dated and quaint. And other stuff has done this better since. Mm-hmm. And the story, the story is very rote. It's a very rote kind of like creepypasta horror story. The the only thing this has going for it really is that it uh, it's got those animated panels, and that's kind of it. So, I don't know, man. Where where could I put it? Um, I mean, I'd rather read it than Civil War for Frontline. <laughs> Matt, are you sure? I think the real horror is the Captain America has never been to a NASCAR race. <laughs> I think Rise of the Midnight Suns was more fun to read than this, but I'll put it above the Batman versus the Mummy hostess ad. So this will be the new number 1341. Okay. And That's low. It's it's, you know. If I was ranking this in 2013, it might have been a different situation. But I mean, that's really low. It's kind of how I feel about it. I, f- I think it's gimmicky. And uh, it's called Bong Chan Dong Ghost. If you want me to send you the spelling of that, I can. That would be helpful, yes. For your version of the list. There it is. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe it's too low, but that's that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Matt, that feeling that you're feeling mm-hmm. is a real feeling. It's valid. No one can take that away from me. Folks, we are merely the arbiters. We chip that is away true. The marble. We, we chip away at the marble. The, the sculpture is already there. The list is already there. Underneath the marble. Chris, that was all of uh, last year's Every Spooky Ever lists. We are now into this year's Ooh. Every Spooky Ever okay. lists. And these are Marvel stories that open with a spooky uh, splash page. Okay. Okay. First up is Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number three, Dark Moon Rise, Hellhound Kill. Stranko shit. Yeah. (laughs) There was a time when we would have been like, hell yeah, to this. And now, quite Oh no, what did I miss? Oh, I mean, it's the same stuff. It's the same oh, stuff. Okay. <laughs> From like six years ago. Okay. <laughs> Where he like started tweeting like fucked up stuff. Yeah. That splash page is cool as hell, yeah, though. Look, <laughs> yes. Also, these comics 
the art, the art in these comics is cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that splash page owns. It, it's there. It's a poem, Matt. It's a poem. And then you get that big double page spread that's all white. With yeah, that's the that's the one I was, I was talking, talking about. Like that, that, like, that first page they're is both all red. Oh, they're both pretty good. They're both pretty good. That that's it's good stuff, man. Then there's another double splash with the Hellhound of Ravenlock that is also good as hell. Yes. The comic the comic yeah, looks this issue, good. This issue's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. I'll talk something about these issues of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. They are pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Like, this is how like, this is how you do some like weird gothic horror uh Marvel ass comics. No kidding. Roy, take notes. He did He did not. <laughs> he, he he was also working at Marvel at the time. But what's great about it is that it's still a Nick Fury Agent of Shield like spy ass story, yeah. Yeah. right? Like he's still doing sp- Nick Fury spy shit, but also it's a spooky castle on the moors kind of story. Uh, it's good shit. It's good shit. It's good shit, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's good shit. It, again, another story with a big old dog. Another story where, where our main character throws down with a big old dog. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, what's what do you dope think, in this story. Nick Fury fucking fucking chucks a dude into an Iron Maiden, <laughs> then throws a fucking uh-huh. dog at the Iron Maiden to slam it shut. Uh-huh. That's rad. <laughs> That's dope as fuck, man. That's like the hardest way I've ever seen someone get killed in the comic. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, this this book is this book is wild. Uh So th- the reason that Nick Fury goes to Castle Raven R- Ravenlock Castle Ravenloft is because yes, is because one of the members of the uh Howling Commandos, Ken Astor, calls him uh to come to this castle in Scotland and he has been killed by the hellhound like by the time Nick Fury gets there he's been killed by the the hellhound and 
the other spooky characters that are there are psychic investigators named Mycroft, Countess Caution, and Rachel. Countess Caution. And uh, Countess Caution. Uh, and uh, and it turns out that Rachel is like related to the original owners of the house. Uh, and Mycroft is an escaped Nazi who has been s- s- sending the hellhound after people. And so he's he's the villain of the thing. So not only is it spy shit, spooky shit, but it's also like a sort of locked room mystery kind of story. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Uh, all right, help me find a spot for it, Chris. I mean, it's pretty, like, I don't think it's, like, top of the list material. But again, it does no. have one of the rawest murders I've ever seen in a comic book. And I do primarily that... read comics about raw murders. <laughs> the murder of a dog. No, 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 the dog let's, lives. Let's be... Oh, not the dog. It's a it's, it's the a dog is a mechanism for closing the Iron Maiden. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. I, if the gotcha. if the dog see that's the thing, you can karate chop a dog in a comic. If the dog makes the first move, and it's like a like an evil dog, but like if Nick Fury killed this dog, I would be like absolutely not bottom of the list, hundred percent. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. So it's Mycroft. Yeah, Mycroft goes into that Iron Maiden, and then Nick Fury throws a dog, throws the dog at the Iron Maiden to close it. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I would say like where I'm looking is in the high, like the mid 900s, because I think it's yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably better than than. All of Detroit Metal City, a comic I enjoyed and cannot possibly recommend to anyone. Sure. And it's probably... It's probably better than Hot Claws for Hanukkah. Agreed. (laughs) But it's definitely not as good as, like, Uncanny X-Men 98 to 100, where the old X-Men fight the new X-Men, right? Like... Okay. No, it's also not as good as Rosalind playing Calvin yeah. Ball, which is at number 931. But I could put it above Judge Dredd, Little Spuggy's Christmas. Okay, then I think that's where it goes. All right. So, that Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., number three, which is also, which is titled... Dark Moon Rise, Hellhound Kill. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that wow. Ends. If your if your title has a comma and an exclamation point in it, that is the most. Let's see. This issue came out when. Uh this is. Uh, August nineteen sixty eight, baby. Yeah, it is. It could not be more of that time with that title. Yeah. We should start titling things like that again. 
I'm always a little mad when I like watch a Star Trek and it has a title like uh like Cataclysm or or you know the consequence and not something like right. who mourns for Adonias or for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. Yeah, I feel like there was a time there was a point where people were like these titles are too long. We need to shorten titles. But hey, what if they got long again? Give me more give me more mid-century sci-fi titles. Give me more the yes. beast that shouted yes. love at the heart of the atom. Give me more of that for sure. I mean, I have no mouth and I'm a scream. Yeah. I think those both those are both Harlan Ellison stories. They I'm sure they are, yeah. I mean Harlan Ellison was the the king of yeah, titles. He, like I believe that. he also dropped Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man. <laughs> As a city on the edge of tomorrow edge is of pretty forever. good too. Edge of forever? Yeah, that's right. Sorry. That shit that shit's good. Yeah. What's there's something on the edge of tomorrow. Edge of right? tomorrow was that movie where Tom Cruise does a Groundhog Day. Oh yeah. Which the, the <laughs> shit original title for that is "All You Need Is Kill." That was the, manga, the manga title. title. Yeah, which is way better. Yeah. Well, they on the on like the Blu-ray cover they put edge of tomorrow like really tiny at the bottom and called it live die repeat because i think they realized that edge of tomorrow wasn't selling as a title Yeah, i don't think the problem was the title edge of tomorrow that's a cool title hard to say who can who among us can say? i I'm mad at myself for conflating the titles City on the Edge of Forever and Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> but nonetheless. All right. Next on the list from Nick is The Haunting of Skull House from Captain America number 326. <laughs> I, I would love to go back and hear what we said about The Haunting of Skull House at the time. Yeah, it's. I I mean, we got into it. We oh yeah, we it. Th- we covered it exhaustively, and I believe our main conclusion was Doughboy ain't never getting over. Oh, that's a different, that's a different story. story. Which which one is, is haunting? That's a different house? story. This is the one where Captain America goes to Skull House the first time. In the Greenwald room. Okay. And he he like he's like, ah right, I killed Red Skull here. And uh he's like Yeah, he sees he sees the ghosts and then he uh, sees like, you know the uh the black He sees Scourge the, the ultimatum guy that he killed. Right, he sees the ultimatum guy that he killed. He sees uh, Porcupine. He he sees Modok, who I think at the time was yes. dead. 
and and he sees Scourge, who's also by this point dead. Yeah, and then and like they're all attacking him, and it ends up being it's like Smith, right? Uh, all the machination of of Doctor Faustus. Faustus, yeah. Uh, but then there's yeah. like a real ghost. There's a real Red Skull Which is there, weird, because yeah. the Red Skull is really alive. Correct. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not clear if whether that Red Skull ghost is really there or not either, or if it's like something haunting uh, Captain America's you know, memory. Because he, he, remem- he goes through that whole memory of like Red Skull dying in this house, however many issues ago. Like, I think it happened in 250 or something like that. Yeah. People become ghosts in comics a lot faster, and sometimes they don't even have to die. That's true. That's true. But, like, at one point they pause. Captain America and Red Skull's ghost pause and have, like, a philosophical conversation. About the meaning of life. Mark Grimwald's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember liking this. Oh, and also he's I do lucky. not remember liking that one with Doughboy a lot. The one with Doughboy is not as good, yeah. I I also forgot to mention that at one point he sees Bucky and, and talks yeah, to Bucky. Yeah, he sees like all the good dead people, too. Yeah. Uh, but, right. It is worth noting that this issue ends with a real Red Skull ghost. Uh, like, as Captain America wheels Dr. Faustus out of there, the Red Skull's head is, like, by the house laughing. Even though, as you point out, the Red Skull is actually not dead. <laughs> and, like, like... Grunwald had to know he was not dead at this point. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if there was some kind of explanation of this ghost, like this ghost being here later in the run. I think I think it's maybe just like a like one of Faustus's holograms that's that's like goes off the rails. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it it like attacks him, but I think it is maybe just one of Faustus's illusions, yeah. But at one point it says, "I do not take kindly to strangers using my house for such pathetic little schemes, Faustus. How dare you use my facilities, my library, my technologies?" Oh man, you got to he, he loves his technology. This does the old Red Skull like his weird bondage table. Boy. He likes to get on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this issue's pretty good. This issue's pretty Red's good. Red Skull definitely, like, um, definitely, like, has a fin dom, right? Like, a hundred percent. Well, that's not how it went down with, uh, with his lady friend in the in the Grunwald room. No, but I feel like he's definitely like paying someone to like use his credit card. 
and like call him a pig. Well, he did get into it with Viper for a little yeah. while. Who was who was the well, who was the Mother person Knight. he was in like a abusive relationship with? Mother yeah. Knight, yeah. Yeah. That was a different kind of relationship. Yeah. I yeah. think like again, I well, I don't want to I don't want to get into I don't want to get into that. <laughs> we don't have to. Yeah. I'm just saying I think the let's, Red Skull is uh, uh, Pay Pig. So, uh, yeah. The other story that you're thinking of, the one with Doughboy, is Return to Skull Ah, House, yes, okay. Which is 44 issues after this. Continuity, baby. It was Captain America 370. So there you go. All right. Where, where do we want All right. To give me a give this me a, a good issue. Actually, it is a good issue. Yeah. It is a good issue. I don't. It's it's not like among the best of the run. Though. No, I mean it's it's no Cap three fifty. Is it as good as Cap Wolf, which is at number eight eighty nine? I was looking higher than that, and I think it probably should be higher than that, but I don't in my heart believe that. This does have Paul Neary art, though, which is really good. It is good, yeah. Yeah. It's not as good as Kieran Dwyer, though. It's not as good as Kieran Dwyer. Yeah, I. <sighs> Man and Wolf is so fun. It's so fun. And I don't think it's as good as Seven Soldiers, which is below Calf Wolf. We have wild taste. <laughs> we, <laughs> we really do. I. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, mm, is it better than The Beard Hunter, which is at 9 11? Probably not. But it's but it's probably better than the very similar Batman number two twenty seven, the Demon of Gothos Mansion. Okay, then it goes between yeah, those goes two. The new, 912. the new number nine nine twelve. Uh, Captain America, number three twenty six. The haunting of Skull House. Or is it Skull Mansion? Skull House. No, it's Skull House. Yeah. I got confused for a minute when I pulled this issue up because I don't remember this cover at all. I don't remember this cover either. And it says Trick or Treat on it, which is pretty fun. Yeah. In my memory, this issue also had like a cover where Captain America was approaching yeah, the house. I remember the splash page more like, than I remember the cover. Yeah. Because Captain America 370, that's what the cover looks mm-hmm. like. It's That one has Captain America and Diamondback approaching the house. But I, I don't remember this cover at all. This cover's wild. <laughs> it's like Captain America jumping away from an exploding Red Skull face. 
and the ultimatum guy and scourge and modok and porcupine are on there too as like ghostly figures yeah. it's pretty cool it's pretty, pretty good Uh, finally, on Nick's list here is The Haunting of Thallus from Star Trek number four. I have not read any of the Star Trek comics, which may come as a surprise, given our previous discussion. Yeah. 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 That is, that's the Marvel Star Trek book from 1980. Yeah, I have not read that. Should I read that? I mean, I'm looking at the first page, and it has the Starship Enterprise approaching a haunted house. Okay, I have read that one because I believe I reviewed that. Like, I did a a piece on that one for Comics Alliance. The first page is the Enterprise just approaching a haunted house that's just floating yes. in space. Okay, so this one I actually have read. I thought this was an earlier one. I thought this was like one of the Gold Key comics. Uh, no, this is this is a Marvel one. Yeah. Um, um by uh Marv Wolfman and Dave Cockrum. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Anytime the Enterprise encounters a haunted house, that shit's a good time. Because yeah. <laughs> fucking Dracula shows up. And it's Marvel Dracula. Yeah. People think Cat's Paw is a bad episode of Star Trek. Those people are wrong. I mean, it's a it's a dumb fun episode. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, dumb stuff's good. Dumb dumb stuff. Can yeah, be great. they they yeah. they. Go to a haunted house in space, and then it uh, it turns out to uh, all be illusions. Right. Because it is literally just floating around out yeah. in space. Uh, oh, they fight a Frankenstein in yeah, this Yeah, there's actually a, a multi-part story. It does, uh, I believe, continue in the next <laughs> issue. Because uh, I believe the uh, the Klingons show up at the end, but I am I remembering right that they are also an illusion, or am I thinking of that episode where Riker wakes up in the future and he has a, a boy? <laughs> no, the Klingons aren't an illusion. Klingons are also boy. like trapped in the illusion, and the boy is. Yeah, and that's in that episode where Riker has a boy, the boy is fake. The boy is fake, yes. Yeah. He had a fake boy. What? He thought it was his boy, but it was it wasn't it a was real boy. It was his boy. But it wasn't really his boy. It wasn't really a boy. Well, he was he really was, a boy sort of. He was a simulacrum of a boy. Yeah, but, but he was the one controlling the simulacrum. And his actual form was not recognizably humanoid, but he was boy adjacent. He was a boyoid. A bo- a boyd. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
yeah, the Klingons are real. They're not fake. But they get they get into the madness too of the haunted house in the second issue. Yeah. It's fun. There's a lot of fun. Dracula shows up on the Enterprise for a minute. It's not what you want, because you do, I mean, if you're me, you do kind of want the Enterprise to fight fucking Dracula. Like, real Marvel-ass Dracula. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, alas. It is, I think... It is all illusion. It is an illusion. Which is better than that time the Enterprise fought Jack the Ripper. Another bad episode of Star Trek that oh, yeah. kind of rules, but is kind of very bad. <laughs> <laughs> the premise of that episode being that Jack the River was a space parasite who preys on women because they feel fear more intensely. Which I don't think that's... Right. Unlike that... Unlike that time the Enterprise fought Moriarty, who... Used to live on the holodeck, but then he came to life for real. Yeah. <laughs> then they just basically put him on a USB stick and forgot about him. Uh, all right. I guess what I want is that Ryan G- give me, give me uh, a issue of Lower Decks where they do fight Dracula. <laughs> mm, right, yeah. I don't know, man. This one's All right, fun. give me give me a give me a give me a spot for these issues. I mean, it's fun, but it's a very top-heavy list, and so I think we're looking in the we're looking in the quad digits. I think. Okay. Okay. Because this is not as good as the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Shadow of the Empire comic, where Jim Zub does Ravenloft. It's not as good as that. Uh, right. I think it's probably better than Wolverine Mean Man, though. Okay. Maybe better sure. than the Dingbats of Danger Street. Mm, I, I'm going to say it's. I'm going to say it's it's just above the Dingbats of Danger Street. So that would put it the new number ten fifty two. Ten fifty three. Ten fifty three. So that's Star Trek issues four through five. The original submission was just number four, but it's definitely four and five. And that story is called The Haunting of Thallus. Okay. Dave Cockrum drawing Captain Kirk dealing with Marvel-ass Gene Colan-ass Dracula. That's a fun time. Uh, all right, this list is from Jolene. It is an Every Spooky Ever list, and it is all 90s Catwoman. So this is all stuff we haven't read. Okay. I, I apologize. But I'll read out the titles. Catwoman Vampirella the Furies. Nope. Catwoman plus Scream Queen, fresh out of the pages of Scare Tactics. I want to say I have read that one because I feel like I read all of those DC Plus books when I got them out of the dollar box when I was working at the shop 20 years ago, but I do not recall it. Uh-huh. But it has a Dan Brereton cover, I believe. Uh, I believe you're right, yeah. 
That is that is a different take on a Jim Ballant ass <laughs> Catwoman. Dan Burton and Jim Ballant not as far apart as we would like to think. <laughs> uh, all right, and then third on the list from Jolene is Catwoman Annual Number Four. So I married a mummy. For, haven't I'm afraid that sounds great though. Yeah, let's let, let's let's delve into that. <laughs> you you want to take a quick look? Because <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick look. See at Catwoman Annual Number Four. So I married a mummy. Uh, let's see. This is if I had to guess. Oh no, I was going to say this was probably written by Jim Ballant, but it wasn't. It was written by Devin Grayson. Mm. And it was also not drawn, not drawn by, by Jim Ballant. It was illustrated. It was illustrated by uh, Javier Javier Salteras and uh, yeah, I guess and John uh, Stanisi on inks. I don't think Catwoman does and, marry uh, this mummy. I'm looking at it right now. Well, I'm that is false advertising. Like that time, Lois Lane married Satan. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. She does fight this mummy though, and it's pretty rare. She rad. does fight that mummy. She does fight that mummy, and you can't take that away from her. Maybe somebody else married the mummy. No, I think I think that's just the uh, the, the premise of the annuals from this year. They were the pulp heroes annuals, so they all had very misleading uh-huh. covers. Because they all had kind of these, <laughs> these really, you know, pulpy, uh, like pulp novel style covers and titles. But nobody actually wanted to do any, like, pulp novel style stories. Like, I remember the issue of Starman is about, like, fucking Balloon Buster, I think. Okay, this issue does get pretty wild. Like, at one point, the mummy gets burned. Like somebody throws like an oil lamp at the mummy and it gets burned up, right? Then Catwoman goes to a bar and she's like talking to a guy, and then the mummy shows up, still kind of on fire. But what being set on fire did to him was not like burn him, like burn his skin. It burned off the bandages, so now he looks sexy. <laughs> You know, I, I've always said, I like my men like I like my coffee, with their organs stored in canoptic jars. And you know what? They do, they do get married. Chris, they get married in this issue. Yeah. This, the mummy this shows guy up. really does turn into Arnold Vosloo. So the mummy shows up in the bar. Catwoman goes, hey, bad boy, you want to play with Miss Kitty? Fine. But we play by my rules. And then the mummy goes, when you are my queen, until then, I make the rules. And then he says, now, this ring will bind you to me forever. And Catwoman says it had better come with a leash, which, all right, do do what you're into. Don't. don't but the mummy puts the ring on her 
<laughs> the the mummy puts the ring on Catwoman's finger, and they are now bound forever. There is no wedding ceremony. You see, that's what I would have wanted. But the mummy ceremony. Does, yeah, she is given a ring that seemingly binds the mummy to her forever. And then I'm sure by the end, uh, she figures out a way to get out of it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, she, she, she comes up with some legal mumbo jumbo to turn the mummy into a, like a burning, like a pile of ash on the ground. Legal mumbo jumbo? Like she divorces Uh, him and he turns into a pile of ash? I mean, kind of, yeah. All right. Like she, she's got some technicalities. She's she's using technicalities to get out of this binding to this mummy. Anyway, that one seems pretty fun. That one does seem pretty fun. I I would read that if you told me it was good. Uh, all right, our next list comes from Robert Headley, who uh, has some every spooky ever stories for us. Starting with The Walking Dead number one. I mean, it's a great first issue. Here's the thing, though. Is that a complete story? I don't remember where it ends. Or should it be The Walking Dead, like, one through six? I, I don't know. I will I will say as a first issue it's a great first issue. Yes. I mean it is. But also actually looking at it the first issue is a complete story. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to because yeah, like like it it's basically the whole story of Rick waking up in the hospital bed, going outside, seeing all the zombies, going to his house, uh, meeting the, uh, I think the guy's name is Morgan Mm -hmm. that he meets in the house. And Rick's like, this is my house. And Morgan's like, well, nobody was here and we needed a place to go. Uh, and, so like they like meet and become friends. But then Rick's like, Hey, I got to go find my son. So I uh, keep my, ho- keep an eye on my house for me. And then he gets in a cop car and like drives off and he looks down at a zombie and sheds a tear. Uh, and then he just drives off at the end of the issue. Well, it is a great person. Like, after the guy tells him, "Hey, s- save your bullets because you'll need them. Only you know, only kill the ones that that you need to. If a guy can't get to you, then then don't worry about it." And then he goes back and kills like the first zombie that he sees that like looks like it is suffering. And like I, I think that's yeah. like a, yeah. There's a reason this grab people, and I think it is legitimately. Probably one of the strongest first issues of all time, if we're being legit. Here's my thing about yeah. it, though. 
it is exactly the same premise as the movie 28 they came days out later. at the same time and no 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 28 days later was earlier when did 28 days later come out 2002 okay here's what happened this book was supposed to come out early 2003 because it was it was like uh it was like done ready to go and then someone at Image, I think maybe Eric Stevenson, I remember reading about this, was like, hang on, let's launch it in October for Halloween. And so they sat on it for a really long time. And and this is all coming from like interviews with Kirkman and stuff. So but but I mean I, I believe it has been corroborated by everyone involved who admittedly all have a stake in this. Um of being like like they all saw 28 days later and were like, well, fuck. Cause that is like, that's our premise. And so it is a weird coincidence that I like, it's a weird coincidence that I, I believe because I don't think like, you know, I, I think Kirkman is, is maybe, like invested in in keeping <laughs> that uh that uh you know th- that mythology uh going if that is what it is but I do believe him because I feel like that is a thing that happens so often with comics because comics takes so long to to pitch and and you know get somebody to draw it and keep in mind uh Walking Dead, like, Kirkman had done Invincible at this time, I believe, and Invincible was a hit. But, like, at the time that he was pitching Walking Dead, he was kind of still the Battle Pope guy. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he was not a superstar creator. Yeah. Yet. So, like, it, it very much... Like, the... It would have taken this book would have been in production for a while. So yes, it is the same premise. But so I, I do I fully believe the story that it is a a wild coincidence. Yeah, I'm looking at a Screen Rant article right now that says essentially what you just said that. Kirkman didn't actually see 28 Days Later until after the issue of Walking Dead number one was finished. But man, what a wild similarity. Yeah. And you, like, that they're both about like guys who went into a, who were in a coma that woke up and then they were in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Which I feel like the the stories even though they're both like you know zombie stories they diverge pretty solidly after that initial premise yeah yeah they're pretty different yeah. after that but like sure. yeah it's it it was the weird thing is that like at the time i remember cuz i was working in the comic book store at the time this would have been like right at the start of my my tenure there and i remember it being like you know like we all talked about it's like oh yeah it's just like 28 days later and that's why i wound up reading that interview and then, but like now, now that, you know, we've gotten like, 
10 years of Walking Dead TV show, and this book ended with a fucking courtroom drama, and it's like a franchise. There's like a TV show and two yeah. spinoffs. It's like, you know, Robert Kirkman's a bajillionaire or whatever. Like, you don't really hear about it that much. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I must report that Walking Dead Volume 1 Days Gone By is on the list at number 655. Mm, okay. I, I I do think it's okay to rank that as one story. I will say it's a it's a really strong first issue and you can learn a lot from reading it. And I say that as a walking dead. Here. Here's what I really like about yeah. it. Yeah. Here's what I really like about it. It gets an entire explanation as to why Rick was in a coma out of the way in one yeah. page. Walking Dead might have, of any comic I've ever read, especially like a long-running, like ongoing series, the most interesting first and last issues for completely different reasons. It's like, true, and I mean, like, I mean that fully <laughs> sincerely. And a bunch of stuff in the middle I do not care Walking about. Dead. Yeah, exactly. Like, Walking Walking Dead was not a comic I have mixed feelings about at best because of the way it started or the way it ended. Yeah. It's it's the other stuff. And also, like, I don't want to seem like I'm dumping on Charlie Adler here, who did quite well drawing what, like, 200 something issues of this mm-hmm. comic. <laughs> Maybe not that, but almost 180 something issues. But this Tony Moore art in these first few issues of Walking Dead is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, there is a reason that this black and white image book you know, non-superhero image book made everyone involved a huge star. (laughs) Like again, Invincible had come out like Invincible was like January of that year. I want to say. So Kirkman was on the rise, but yeah, like this one was big. Like, I don't want to, I mean, I know like, Tony Tony Moore wanted to be considered a co-creator of this book and was not. And that's why he left the book after, was it five or six issues? Uh, after the first arc, yeah. Like, like five issues? Six issues? Six. Yeah. It was six. It was six. But man, the, the art he did was so fucking good. It's... Charlie Adler's stuff is also good, I think. Like, yeah, of course, absolutely. Perfect guy to draw this comic, Tony Moore. The, the, these yeah. first issues. All right. Uh, next on Robert's list is Uzumaki by Junji Ito. I've never read any Junji Ito, except for I've, I've read the uh, the, the uh, was Amigara Fault, the one with the holes. I've read that one. Yeah, the one. I've read some shorts. I've read some some 
uh, Junji Ito's short stories, Uzumaki is a little longer, and so I haven't read it. Uh, but I probably should. I almost definitely should. I don't fuck with spirals, man. Uh, <laughs> I've seen like some of the you know really iconic panels from Uzumaki, and they are uh, harrowing. Uh, but I have not actually read it. Uh, I should probably fix that. I should probably just do like a big uh, Jinji Ito read at some point. There's part of me that like doesn't read it because I don't want to be like you know grossed out and scared. But also, I I sure. have to imagine that there's nothing more fucked up in that comic than there is in Berserk. Uh, it's fucked up in a different way, so... Yeah, I guess probably nobody gets a uh, shot know. with a cannon arm mid-coitus. Yeah. Like, certainly Berserk and Uzumaki both have a type of body horror in them. But you would call them the same thing, but they're not. They're as far apart as they can be within that genre. <laughs> You're saying they both got that dog in them. They both got that dog in them, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I should I should definitely just do like a big read of Uzumaki and other Junji Ito stuff because everything I've read by Junji Ito, I've been, uh, you know, I've 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 enjoyed for its sort of creative take on body horror and the other things that uh, Jinji Ito does. Uh, finally on Robert's list is Atomic Robo and the Shadow from Beyond Time, numbers one through five. That's volume three of Atomic Robo. Uh, I, have pro- I have certainly read that, but I do not remember it. Uh, do you do you want a reminder or do you want to table, table it? it? Okay. Uh, let's see. Shadow from Beyond Time. Yeah, I'm not even really finding like a good. Synopsis, I believe it's the one with Lovecraft, so. but I, I I would have to go back and reread it. Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah. But but not enough, not a good enough memory of it to rank, huh? Yeah, correct. Unfortunately, okay. Uh, finally, on or there's a backup here from Robert, which is uh, Tomb of Dracula number one. Uh, rules. Yeah. Uh- yeah, surely we've done that one. Surely I remember talking to you extensively about it. I feel like we've done other Tomb of Dracula issues, but not this one. We've done number forty-four. We've done fifty. We've done ten, which is the first appearance of Blade, and we've done twenty-two through twenty-four, but not number Wild. One. Um, of those. Number one is the worst one because it is not, they haven't realized the premise of the book yet. 
because they think right. the book is going to be about this group of cool teens led by Frank Drake. And those guys never really go away. But also that book just becomes about Dracula and Dracula going around doing shit. It, but yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's like the Friday the 13th movies, right? Mm-hmm. In the early Friday, the first few Friday the 13th movies, they try to make those movies about like the kids at the camp that Jason is killing. And then at some point, at some point those movies just become about Jason. Yeah. Like Jason is the protagonist of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it Tomb of Dracula does a very similar That's what thing. happens in Tomb of Dracula. Because yeah. you've got Frank Drake, you've got yeah. his girlfriend, you've got like old old man Quincy Harker. Uh like Van Helsing's in there somewhere, I think. But then it's like then you see Dracula and Gene Colin's drawing Marvel ass Dracula. And you're like, well, hang on. I would rather read about what this guy wants to do. And then they're like, okay, well, I guess that guy wants to go fight Doctor Strange. (laughs) And he does. And it owns. Uh, But yeah, like, it's still, like, I remember reading that and being really blown away by how modern it feels. Because it's, I mean, like, it's, you know, early Bronze Age. uh, But it's it has that setup of a modern age comic. Like, you know, Oh, here's Frank Drake. Here's what he does. Uh, here's some creepy shit with Dracula. Like it, it feels like a comic that would get over today or maybe not today, but like in, in the 2010s, like in, at, in the height of supernatural. Back when uh, right. Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki didn't hate each other. Mm-hmm. This dude's got beef. Buddy, they got... What I do like about this issue, and what you don't get in those issue, those later issues where Dracula is the main character of Tomb of Dracula, is the Dracula of this issue, there's a sort of, like, dread and fear that he engenders... By showing up so fleetingly. Yes. Yes, very much so. That is very cool. Yeah. Nothing that's around all the time can be as scary as it as it is when right. you don't see it. Like I I have to imagine that's the same as it is with uh with the haunted doll possessed by the spirit of Charles E. Ray that you like so much. Um, I don't know, like, sometimes, yeah, I mean, on the TV show, every season kind of does the same thing, where, like, Chucky doesn't say much or show up as much in the early episodes, and then by, the like, the halfway point of the season, Chucky is the main character yeah. of the show. <laughs> And like is doing monologues to the camera and stuff, but uh, yeah, like in this, the way I mean, the way Gene Colan draws Dracula is just like he he like he appears in a blur, you know, like he's never 
just like standing still and talking. He's always moving. He's always covered by something. He's always like dynamic in his presentation in a way that makes him very like compelling and threatening. It's really cool. Yeah. Like Dracula doesn't become the star of this comic for a little bit. And when uh, I I am a uh, semi-notorious Marv Wolfman hater, uh, which isn't true. Like I like Marv Wolfman a lot. I just don't like Teen Titans or Crisis. <laughs> uh, but like I think he gets how to use Dracula as a as a an antagonist in this. And it's, it's it reminds me a lot of uh, the way uh, Elizabeth Costava's The Historian treats Dracula. It's a very good book uh, if you've never read it. Now, this issue, the first issue of Two of Dracula is Jerry Conway. Oh, that's right. It is Jerry Conway. Yeah. It's Mary Jerry. I forgot. I, I, I keep thinking it was Marvel Wolfman and Gene Colton through the whole thing. Uh, Conway does the first two issues. Then it's well, you know Roy gets in there. Uh, Archie Goodwin. Archie Goodwin is on issue three. And for you give him love to write a story about a vampire. Yeah. Uh, Gardner Fox is issues five and six, I think. Like they really cycled cycled through writers at the beginning. That was the way of all Marvel books at the time, I think. Like when they would launch. Uh, Marv Wolfman gets there on issue seven. Yeah. And then he sticks around. Yeah, then he six. Yeah, he's there for the long haul after that. But things change pretty drastic. I mean, things change pretty drastically by the second issue. Mm-hmm. Even like Dracula is not as kind of I don't know mysterious. Even by the second well, let's, issue, uh, let's let's go ahead and rank it. It's it it's again. If you go and okay. read it, I I genuinely think you will be surprised at how modern it feels for how old it is. So you said it's below all the Tomb of Dracula we've already ranked. Yes. The lowest of those is at 834. Yeah. I stand by. So so where where do you think it's got to go below that, but other than that, free Uh, range. Let's see. I... I don't think it's quite as good as, well, it's not as good as Ben Grimm's Bar Mitzvah, but I was just looking at the Marvel Godzilla, and I think this book and that book have a very similar, like, link, because they are both, like... They are both like, this is the Marvel Comics, you know, capital M, capital C version of this character. And I think Godzilla leans into that pretty hard. Whereas Dracula, it's a little bit more of a slow burn, but this is the Marvel Comics Dracula. You know? 
So yeah. I think it's I think I think this single issue is probably better than the entire Godzilla Marvel run. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. That run does have Godzilla fighting double dinosaur and Godzilla being six feet tall and Godzilla being six inches tall. Godzilla walking <laughs> around in a damn fucking uh, Ninja Turtles disguise. The Ben Grimm of it all. <sighs> okay, so have you talked yourself out of it? Uh... It it goes right around here somewhere. I'm going to say... I'm going to say it goes above Super Pro KO. It, it, it doesn't go above Godzilla vs. Barkley. That comic is classic. Okay, so that's that puts it at the new number 841. Tomb of Dracula, number one is at a 41. Chris, I don't think we have time to start a new list. I don't know. We talked about Dracula for a real long time. We are, we are running out of time here. Uh, although we, we might just be just a hair under two hours on this special. We've gone over two hours in the past. So, uh, I think it'll all even out. Also, there were two Every Spooky Ever lists we did not get to. We will do them next October. Do you want to just go through them now uh, real quick and we'll say whether they rule or not? Well, okay, so th- there's a Patrick O'Duffy list that is all Batman fighting vampire stories. Okay, most of those are not as good as you want them to be. Okay. So hang on to those for next October. October 2024. And then Rocket Witzel has a list of Usagi Yojimbo spooky stories. Most of those are better than you think they're going to be. (laughs) So, two to watch out for in a year. Uh, They're the first three uh, J stories. Oh yeah, those own. Those are super good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a preview for next Every Spooky Ever. Uh, so stay tuned for that. If you would like to support these specials, keep them two hours, make sure that we do them, head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kick in as little as $1 a month to support uh, these specials every month, the weekly War Rocket Ajax show. Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, Comics Catch-Up, all of that stuff is supported uh, by you, our listeners, on Patreon. So uh, go help us out there if you can. We would really uh, appreciate that, and it would do a lot to uh, help keep the show going. So, uh, yeah, help us if you can on Patreon. If you can't help us on Patreon, you can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen, uh, a a five-star review would be a big help for us on those places. If you want to email us an Every Story Ever list or something else, a sponsorship idea, for example, 
that email address is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky, warrocketajax.bsky.social. And uh, we have a Discord. You have to be invited to be a member of that Discord, but ask us for an invitation, and we'll get you one uh, on any of the places I just mentioned. Patreon, Blue Sky, Tumblr, email, any of those. Ask us for an invitation. We'll get you one for the uh, the Discord, if you're nice. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show. Warrocketwiki.com has everything you need to know about War Rocket Ajax. All the info you could ever need. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It has links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people hey, find you? can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Trick or treat. Give out, give out full-size bars to the kids. We love you. We love you. And hey, Matt. Hmm? It's Christmas now. Merry Christmas, Christmas, everybody. Thriller eyes. Thriller eyes. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yes! From this day on, let every breed of mongrel live together.